In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It's not that victory Tuesday that we're hoping for, but it was a very good battle. And I'm here with Jack Duffin and Ian Wright, right, right. Jack, what's your first thoughts after that result? So lots of people are going to blame what happened in the fourth quarter for the loss. What happened in the first half is to blame for the loss. And it's not just this game. It's been the first half of last season. Pretty much the whole of this season. The conservative nonsense, Pete Carroll style play calling is really grinding on my gears. The whole run, run, pass just doesn't work in the NFL. You've got a great article by Josh Hermsmeyer, which I'll tweet out after this podcast. So go to my Twitter and you can read it. But the NFL has moved. And this idea that you can consistently run and then get success just does not work. And, um, They're obviously not tied to this idea because we saw it in the second half of last year. They opened up the passing game and that was the only time where we've seen this Browns team dominate. And it's just so frustrating. And that's it. Lots of people are going to look at the end of the game. You can... The Raiders did very similar things, but you could have put us in a really comfortable position in the first half where you're not sweating this at the end of the game. And um, that's what really grinds my gears. Well, no one likes to hear you grind your gears, Jack. Ian, what was your takeaway? First first thoughts. It was just another one of those games where you were kind of hoping with the modified rosters and all that stuff, the Browns would kind of create an identity on offense. And we knew going in, obviously, we had Nick Chubb. We had Dearness Johnson. So we knew they were going to be a run-focused team today. And the Raiders aren't all that great in terms of stopping the run. But again, as we've said in the NFL, if you can't pass to set up the run, you're not going to be successful just running the ball. And I think they tried to, in the first half, just be too conservative. Then they realized at the end of the first half, okay, we can open this up a little bit. But then you got issues where your your guys on the outside just aren't making plays for you. You know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, was it a catch? Was it not a catch? Is it a fumble? You know, you just needed somebody to stay, step up and make a play. The kick, the, you know, the, kick, the missed kick there at the end of the first half was just an absolute momentum killer. But the Browns, to their credit, they, they found momentum in the second half. They got two touchdown drives. They just, at the end of the day, they couldn't get the stop they needed because you, me, and Jack were the ones out there rushing the passer. Miles Garrett wasn't 100%. You generated no pass rush. And I don't think it was all that hard for Derek Carr to go down the field because, let's be honest, they gifted him that holding. That was not a hold. That was a gift. So I'm frustrated, but it's – I just wanted them to be able to pull it out. I, I wish there was a little magic in the, in, the, in the bottle. I wish the winds of Cleveland were blowing so Daniel Carlson didn't have the calmest day in the world to kick his 48-yarder. <laughs> Yeah, tough. You know, it was a game of, at halftime, it was depressing. Um, 
one minute before or two minutes before the end, I was on cloud nine. I was rocking and rolling. I was super excited. And yeah, just just needed our defense to stand up. We need to get them. We needed to get that three and three. We just didn't get it. I mean, and you win, but you gave the ball to your best player. I mean, we can talk a little bit about that play and what Monday morning quarterbacks would have done differently, but the, the one thing that, and that we're in the chat and it came up straight away and I fully agree with them. Cause as soon as I saw the play, I was angry and it wasn't angry that we passed it because I was, I was okay with the run. I did not like the idea of running to the right. I need to go back and obviously look at the play and make sure there weren't some, They'd set it up so that the Raven, uh, the Raiders went, we're going to give you the man advantage on the right because we want to go that way. But for me, the much stronger position for the Browns was to the left. Um, and I felt they ran really wide into a position where I'm not putting Hudson. We, we've spoke about Hudson not being particularly strong in the uh, run Hudson game. And they went, we're going to run outside of Hudson. That just out. felt like a hands. bad play for that. Hands. Hans was Hans was in there because Hudson was out, and yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I think what they did, Jack, is they basically said we're going to go behind White Teller, this you know our Pro Bowl run mauling guard. Uh, they seem to go even wider. Well, I think what happened was is when Chubb initially took the ball, I think he was trying to go up, you know, the B gap, so in between basically the guard and the tackle. So I think you know Hans is a guard, so we know that on that right hand side, I think their idea was if we can create a wedge where in essence, we're just trying to get Chubb in behind two guards that are plowing through the B gap. I think that's what the plan was. The problem is, is they penetrated from the A gap, which then blew the play outside. And then what happened was, is when they crashed from the outside, Hans isn't quick enough to hold the edge and it just blew up there and you end up losing one. But to your point about running right, and I know uh, our, our my buddy Mike Colson made that, made that point as well. You got... Batonio, a left guard playing left tackle, and you have Michael Dunn playing left guard. So at least the one offensive lineman combination that you ran behind was the one that had played in that position before. So it may be one of those things where they said at least Teller and Hans have played. So they probably picked the play they were really comfortable with, thinking, let's try to get two. And then the issue is you didn't have Batonio from that left guard pulling to try to drive that pile. I almost wondered, I don't know, did you, you saw it probably in the Saints, I mean, you might not have. So there was a play in the Saints-Bucks uh, game where Taysom Hill needed a basically a yard and they just rugby scrummed it. Did you see they, that one? That was such a good play. It was, it was and, just... and in my head, I'm like, three yards, Nick Mullins, maybe you just get up there and rugby scrum it. And you get, you get Chubb in there, you get Janovich in there, and hey, why not? And I thought about it for a second, but at the end of the day, Jack, what would Browns fans have said if we run some play action boot where we got Nick Mullins rolling out the backside, trying to throw back across his body? Like, you know, I, I get it, but like you got a depleted receiver core, you got like one and a half healthy tight ends and you got a practice squad quarterback and Browns fans are saying we should have thrown the ball in third and three, or here's an idea. You hand it off to your pro bowl running back. Sorry, I'm going that route. I think it's, yeah, it's not so much on Nick Mullins, it's more on the wide receiver core. If you're sat there with Travis Kelsey, um, then you're going, I'll throw to him. Mark Andrews, perfect example. We saw it time um, and time again. Let's go to the playoff game. Yeah. What did Andy Reid do? Sprint right option, Tyreek Hill. <laughs> I got Mahomes, I got Tyreek Hill. 
And yeah. th that was the issue. And we saw it, it really hurt the Browns today in, in terms of drops from DPJ <laughs> because I think, was it the first 11? If DPJ doesn't make the two drops, um, then we're looking at 11 for 11 for Nick Mullins yes. to start. And right. for me, it was very much reminding me of watching Drew Brees. Not, it wasn't quite as beautiful as Drew Brees, but it's that short, really um, dagger through the heart, little quick passes. And um, it was just a shame that so often he was asked to do throw for three and seven, three and nine, uh, rather than constantly go. Because each time he was asked to throw, he was delivering the throw. It wasn't always getting as far as it needed to, but he was constantly delivering that. And um, I just felt so much earlier on the game, they should have gone, right, the O-line, the run game's not working. Let's pass more. Yeah, I mean, look at the third down conversion in the first half versus the second half. At one point, they flashed on the TV, our average third down to go distance was third and 8.1. In the second half, we had third and three, third and four, third and two, third and one. So yeah, absolutely, when you get ahead of the chains. But to be fair, they did that by chub, chub, you know, three yards, four yards. I mean, even on that last series, the reason it was third and three is not, and I will say the NFL, they were real quick on that first down to blow the whistle. They took about two or three yards away from Chubb. That was that they, I think they ruled it a two yard run. It should have been about a five yard run. How often do they let guys push that pile forward? They were just a little quick on that one. Now in the second run, they gave him the extra five because he kind of spun through it and drug a defender, but I would have much rather had it second and five because I, I would have been a lot more comfortable if they'd have let the first play, uh, first down player run out, second and five. That's where if you're going to throw the ball, I maybe do it on second and five because then you could still run it on third and make him use that last time out. This is some of the Browns fans' views. And, you know, we're an open podcast. Um, Mullins completed his last six passes, three on three on third down and one on one on fourth down the previous touchdown drive. Play action pass on three and three would probably have closed the game off for the Browns. It's, it's it's a risk you're willing to take, but for me, the frustration shouldn't be at the end of the game. The frustration should be in the first half because this idea that people look at third downs and how does your team perform on third downs? Well, quite frankly, why are we playing for third downs? And this very, it's a philosophy very much of old school football thinking of you're using the first two downs to set up that third down. And the very much more analytics, new school of thinking, and lots of teams, whether it's Brandon Staley, whether it's other teams, are thinking how we're happy to get a first down on first down. Um, we're not sitting there using all of our downs to get first down. We just want to keep moving the chains. And the idea that, boom, just move the chains, move the chains, move the chains, needs to be where the thinking goes. Because if you're doing that consistently early on and you're passing to get ahead and you're constantly moving, um, then you're not sat here at the end of games sweating over, well, we've got one point. If we can get a first down here, we'll be okay. It's still going to happen that you'll get odd cases, but you want to be sat there 10 points ahead at that stage of the game, or at least seven where you're going, no, worst comes to worst, we'll go to overtime. Let's get back into our usual podcast um, infrastructure. What are we giving the offence out of 10? Uh, 14.4. And I think if we look at some of the numbers in the passing game, 20 for 30, 147 and one TD. Nick Mullins, 
if, if I had to grade him, I'm giving him uh, an 8 out of 10. It, it's, it's fine. He, he didn't do that much wrong. If we then look at the run game, the numbers look quite good overall. 23 rushes for 91 yards, an average of four yards a rush. But we go back to something Joe Thomas said when he was asked, running efficiency is what you should look at, not stats like that, because it's how often you get four yards or you get a um, first down. And those are the key things to look at because a running game that occasionally breaks, breaks off for big runs isn't a good thing. Um, and he's quite clear on that. So people can go, oh, but Nick Chubb had two big runs. Doesn't matter. Joe Thomas, hey, credible source here, does not matter because it's about consistently moving the sticks and scoring on multiple drives, not just doing it twice in a game and going, oh, it's okay. The average is fine. I get my fantasy points. The pass game, overall, all of our receivers outside of Donovan Peoples-Jones had a pretty solid day. Um, there weren't too much in the way of drops um, outside of two ones for DPJ. Um, Elton dropped one, Higgins dropped one. Or uh, didn't Felton, make. Yeah. And Juku didn't make the touchdown. Not saying it's his fault, but um, I would disagree. I thought the... Um, I thought we missed a lot of catches. It just seems to be a very Brownsy thing, doesn't it? We just can never seem to get people to catch the ball. I just think they were noticeable. You know, and I will say in the first half, I thought Peoples Jones just flat out dropped that one on the sidelines. Turns out it was punched out. I thought it was a little odd that you didn't see that until play later. Cause I still wonder, I would have liked to have heard like a breakdown of the, um, the catch versus fumble on that one. But also, Schwartz, what's going on with is like is he gonna play? Like, are we gonna give him a reverse, put the ball in his hands, a bubble screen, do something to get him in space? I mean, the Chiefs do something in terms of getting Mecole Hardman and these guys the ball in their hands short and quick. We gotta use this guy. If he's this speed element that we don't have, why aren't we using him? Yeah, really, really good point. In that um he's a fourth round pick, and it seems like we're using Donovan People Jones so much on the long plays where I thought this guy was brought in to, to do this. Yeah. We're at the stage now because obviously we'll go into more in the off-season, but we sat there discussing it in uh, one or both of our uh, – well, it was one of our uh, podcast fantasy leagues where you're like, we're at a stage now where DPJ, Schwartz, neither of them guys are want to be wide receiver one, two or three come week one. Um, and that leaves you in a point where you need massive overhaul in this room. Um, and it, it it's it's going to cost. Um, there's no cheap way of doing it because you're not going to find week one production um, in the draft. So it it's going to be a really really big challenge for this front office. We'll go more into it in the off season, but there's a uh, big decisions due. Ian, what are you going to give it out of ten? I was going to I was going to say a five. I mean, it's just. I got to, I got to put a little bit on it to say, obviously we were playing without our starting tackles without our second string. I think a guy like Kareem hunt. Now I'll tell you right now, third and three, they, they probably have hunt in there. Let's be honest. He'd have played so, in the slot base. Probably. He probably wouldn't have been a running back today. He'd have just exclusively played in the slot. I mean, they were running Chubb and Felton sets. So I have no doubt. I think not having your starting tackles, not having your one of your starting tight ends, not having your starting wide receiver in Jarvis Landry, not having you know your second running back in Kareem Hunt. 
I was expecting 14, 17 points. And realistically, they scored 14. And if a kicker could have made a 47-yard field goal, they'd have had 17. So they they did exactly what I thought. So I'm 5'6". I mean, right in there. They didn't throw any interceptions. They didn't turn the ball over. Exactly yeah. what I thought. My frustration with my grading is more on the play calling than the players on the field. And, yeah, that, and that if we're judging the, the offense of the players, then I, I don't want to punish them as much as I do with my grade. And, and listen, let's also not forget, Jack, they didn't have any time this week to really implement anything. I mean, they ran an entire day of practice with Case Keenum as their quarterback, only to have the NFL go, yeah, he's not playing. So we're talking about them having a day and a half, maybe two days. I mean, Kurt Warner at one point on the broadcast said, how many plays in the red zone does Nick Mullins really know? Like we ran it from what, third and six, uh, third and goal from the six with Chubb and scored. Did we they have didn't... a play in their half in the first half? No, no, we didn't. Well, other than the field goal, I mean, at the end, yeah. up until that last drive, we did not. But even then, like from third and, third and goal from the six, we ran Chubb. Mm. So realistically they probably didn't have that many plays for Nick Mullins. They probably were operating with like 10 or 12 plays because they ran the same one several times. Of course, so did the Raiders when they ran that drag route to Zay Jones. But also, I mean, the other thing is you, you talk about Najoku and stuff like that. Like I thought that they at least tried to stretch the ball downfield. I didn't mind them taking a couple of shots to keep the defense, you know, so I didn't mind that. They just didn't execute because you have an entire new offense. I mean, what, what was it? Six guys. Yeah, no, I don't mind. And, oh, and by the way, and the quarterback. Do it on and the quarterback. First down rather than do it on third down and mm-hmm. nine. And I think that's just a battle of preference. So at the end of the day, I thought the offense gave it a hell of a shot. They got unlucky with a few things. So like I said, five. Take I, think five I think five's fair. My frustration was in the first half, not getting first downs. And... Um, yeah, and then obviously uh, Chubb, I know he came alive in the fourth quarter, but he was very um, quiet throughout the rest of the game. So let's 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 say a five and let's move on. Before we move on, uh, before we move on to defense, do you think the offense or the defense lost the game for the Browns? I think it's collective. You had an offensive, uh, a defensive, uh, and a special teams. Uh. That's one of those ones. I don't think one unit collectively lost the game more than the other. I think the defense was dealing with a bigger issue. I think it was easier to replace the offensive starters than it was the defensive. And if you don't have any, if you doubt that, go look at that final drive and tell me who was rushing the pass. Yeah, the, the biggest issue on the defense was defensive tackles, but it's been pretty much the case all season. Um, for me, there's not a unit I look at and go, it's their fault. The, do, the dudes on the field did a phenomenal job. Um, it's the dudes on my sideline that that's where I'm pointing a finger. Um, well, what, what were we going to say a number for the defense? Well, what they kept the, the Raiders to quite a f- not that many points. So they did promise it in there. Um, the, a massive shout out, Greedy Williams. I thought he had a brilliant game. Um, which is good to see. JK struggled a little bit early on, but then got involved in the uh, turnover. Um, I'd like to say... uh, Two sacks, a fumble, and a turnover. So two turnovers, two sacks. That's all. You you don't really need much else. They did their job. 
Can we say an eight? I was thinking of seven. We don't do seven, so. I oh, know. They, they deserve just a seven, so uh, I, I, I think we round up. I, I, I don't know what you want them to do more, considering they were shorthanded. Um, but he, he, any time, if, if that was our stat line from a defence each game, I'd be like, yeah, I, I'll take that every week. 17, was it? I can't even remember. Was it Six, 16 points, two sacks, two turnovers. Yeah. And I, listen, I you can go back, week. you can go back individually and say, oh, Denzel Ward making the pass breakup on Zay Jones or MJ Stewart in their very odd uh, pass interference penalty that should have been called. And Zay Jones on the drag route that outrun MJ Stewart. And then the guys at the end, not, like you can go through a game and say a play should have been made here. Should Moreau have been able to rumble through two defenders that I think was a huge play that could have been prevented, but we saw Richard LeCount make plays. We saw Javante Moffitt make a big play down there at the goal line. Greedy Williams step up and made a lot of big plays. Tommy Togiai had a half a sack. Joe Jackson had a half a sack. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, you're just going on practice squad guys. Now, so I, I think kudos to the defense. I'm happy with what they did. Um, I was, my biggest surprise was just how bad the Raiders were. Oh, they're terrible. Um. Let's go, let's go let's go over eight. Let's go to the probably most controversial special teams performance of the uh, of the year. Um, no no uh, Scottish hammer. Obviously missing that field goal at the end of the first half really hurt us. Really really hurt us. Um, Jack, we're going to give it six. It it, it was so much. Well, to be fair, some of the punting early on was good. It was uh, once or twice they got pinned. Um, yep. There was a return. I missed it because I was reading the text from Ian about the return that I actually missed the return being broadcast because <laughs> we have a slight delay in the UK. Um, so, hey, and I, I thought it, it was fine. It wasn't a game where you sit there and go, oh, they did something that cost us. Um, it wasn't a game where they did something to win us the game. Um, it was just meh. It was fine. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those ones. You had a good punt return, good, decent punting day. The missed kick was the big thing, and you didn't make a play. Like a lot of times you'll see like the Steelers will block a punt or there'll be some play on special teams that kind of gives them an edge. So at this point, I think they get a passing grade. Like instead of grading them on an A, you know, A to F scale, I say they, they passed. Pass failed. They got a six. I mean, that's really kind of what it comes down to for me. It wasn't anything terrible. Giving up the fake punt, I mean, they were alert of it. The guy only got about six inches more than he needed to get. So, you know, I, I didn't think there was any major gaffes on special teams other than the missed kick, which, listen, I mean, you put that on one guy. McLaughlin's got to make the kicks. I know it's 46, but we saw Carlson do it. The timeout thing, he, the second one was better than the first. It's a good chance we've got a new kick next week. Not next week, sorry. We won't do it. Oh, I think they'll have they'll have people in tomorrow. Absolutely, they're gonna people in tomorrow. I mean, McLaughlin's missed a kick in five out of the last six games, and the only game he didn't didn't he only had what one extra. Are they allow people in with what's going on? Are they still in enhanced protocol or not? I mean, they would have to be able to replace roster positions. Yeah, I just don't know if they're allowed to come in and try out. Oh, I would, I would, I would bet they are. I mean, you have an entire week to get somebody cleared. I know. Do we still have that extra guy on the practice squad? someone dug or something yeah i think we had one on the practice squad i don't know what happened yeah 
But uh, no, that, that, yeah, I think that they'll look to move on. Um, what's your views on the play calling tonight? If Stefanski was in there, do you think he could win the game? No, I, I felt it was very much the same. I, I did not feel like there was a big deviation from the play calling. Um, it's one of them that it was what it was. And um, do I like what they're calling? No. <laughs> People are pretty uh, aware of that. But I, I don't think him not being there hurts. Do they potentially, does he potentially see what's going on and move the game plan quicker? Do they potentially stick with the agreement that we're going to run quite a lot because that was what was agreed pre-game um, and they didn't feel confident enough to come off that early on. Uh, I don't know, but I think it would be pretty much similar. Yeah I, mean, yeah, I mean, I thought Prefer did a fine job. I mean, he didn't do anything stupid. I uh, didn't challenge a call. Um, now, I will tell you one thing, speaking of coaching, it almost happened. If Rich Basaccia had challenged that spot, the Zay Jones one, the one where they showed you and he had the challenge flag in his hand, they would have most certainly lost that challenge, lost a timeout, and the Browns would have won the game. That's the crazy part about it is if he had challenged that play with like four something left, they'd have lost, gone down to one timeout, and then the Browns on that final drive would have ran it twice, got to the the two-minute warning, they then would have run one play after the two-minute warning, taken it down to 120 and punted it away and won the game. So that's the crazy part when we talk about challenges and stuff like that, how important that extra timeout is. So, and, you know, Prefer really didn't do anything to kill that, so. It was just conservative nature. Um, but that's something that Stefanski is culpable and with as well. Um, is something that they need to look hard because, and it's just weird, a team that, on the outside seems to be so analytically driven is making constant suboptimal suboptimal decisions with their uh, play calling. And um, who knows, it could just be a complete lack of trust in the uh, QB because we saw a time where maybe he developed the trust in the second half of last season, but it just doesn't really add up. And uh, who knows, it might change, but I don't think it will this season. I just think it's been that hard for them this year because of the inconsistencies on offense. Like you can tell last year, Stefanski hit a rhythm. Remember what we were talking about after that bye week he hit a rhythm. Baker was completing passes. Like a lot more was going on this year. There's just no rhythm. Like everything just seems very pish posh. You know, it's just very, ugh. nothing's clicking the running game. You know, I know we did the thing where Chubb wears them down the first half, but like, even then Chubb used to break off a run or two in the first half. I mean, we have first time being shut out since 2018. I mean, it's just the offense isn't firing on all cylinders. And for some reason they can't get it going. Yeah. What's next guys. Three games. Playoffs. Miracle. Can you see it? Mm, to be fair. The Packers' secondary wasn't... The issue is the Packers' weakness was their secondary yesterday, watching that game. Um, can I see us airing it up and lighting up? No. <laughs> so uh, that, that's, that's going to be a problem. Um, but no, we'll be there. I'm going to have a great time regardless of whatever goes on. Yeah, this week, we'll, uh, just for all those listeners out there, Jack flies to the States tomorrow, Paul a couple of days after that. So the band will be here together here in Chicago and Green Bay. Uh, you know, we'll have a little fun with it. But, you know, ultimately they needed to win. 
three out of the last four minimum. At the end of the day, they need to win now this game uh, against the Packers. And if not, they think they have a 20% chance. You win the Steelers, you win the Bengals. You at least give yourself a shot. If other things go your way, there's a possibility. I mean, the NFL every week, I mean, the Cardinals beat losing to the Lions. I mean, anything could happen. So if you can win out and somebody else loses out, there's still a way to get in, but you just made the road that much harder. I mean, you would have, with that field goal not happening, or you making a sack on fourth down like you did against Ravens, I'm sorry, in the fourth quarter like you did against Ravens, you're in first place. It's a lot easier to drive from the front than it is to drive from the back. But the entire division is, what, one game? Yeah, if we look in PFF, uh, Eric, Eric Eager, obviously a friend of the show, been on a few times. The uh, PFF odds for the division, just the division, so obviously you can make the playoffs without winning the division, is Cincinnati 40%. Baltimore, 33%, Cleveland, 15%, Pittsburgh, 12%. So that's by no means a, uh, an impossible feat. Um, we can still go and deliver. But yeah, it's, it's going to mean a really, really tough game. And Aaron Rodgers is lighting it up at the moment. All right, guys, I know we're all is late. Hey, hey, maybe he ends up on the COVID list. You never know, Jack. Look what happened uh, to he Baker. He can't go back on the COVID list because uh, he's um, had it. Um, so he can't go oh, back he, on it. If he gets a different variant, yeah, he can go back on it. If he, no, if he no. tests positive, no. So he tests positive, under, he can play under the league's rules. Um, Even though he's unvaccinated, if you get it, you've then got ninety days where you can't be cast as having it again. So unless um, you, no, I thought that was if you're you won't be asymptomatically tested. If he shows up and he's sick, they will test him. No, I don't believe. Because he came out and even said it in an interview and the NFL confirmed it. That seems odd. So if he has COVID, he can play. Yep. I, okay, think, that... the, I think the this reason why is because it will be in his system for a PCR test regardless. So um, he could argue, no, I haven't got COVID. Um, the PCR test won't clarify that because it could easily be the fact that you've already got it in your system. Interesting. So, um, no, it's one that he, he'll play. Um, but, no, at the end of the day, it's a good test. Let's go out there and um, rock it. If we get the O-line back, then it's not looking crazy cold. We're looking somewhere between one degrees and minus six degrees for all of our uh, European listeners who love it Celsius. Um, but uh, no snow, thank God. That's in the 30s for you U.S. people. Around freezing. All right, guys, I'm gonna get some sleep. I'm very depressed. Yeah, unfortunately, a little bit of announcement. We do have a, a new member of the Paul Brown podcast. Uh, about three weeks ago, my daughter was born. So, unfortunately, she was luckily enough, she was born during a Browns bye week, which is fitting for all things. She was one to know against the Ravens. So, today, I uh, you know, sadly have to announce that this was my daughter's first Browns loss. And of course she lost on a last second field goal heartbreaker. I'm doing my best to console her right now. She may or may not have, you know, took the Browns to the Super Bowl in her pants just about five minutes ago. But, uh, but yeah, so unfortunate day in the right household is, you know, baby girl is now one and one. Uh, massive congrats. Um, baby's already gone to number two out of four for the most hair on the podcast which is not bad at three weeks old. Um, yeah, Paul, you're number three. Don't worry. I know I'm, not, I know I'm number four. She, she agrees. 
Alright, get some sleep. I'm depressed. Alright. I'm gonna go drink some scotch. Go Browns. Go, go Browns. Browns.